Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Aaron. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast, another College Hoops edition of the pod. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg, joined by our college basketball expert, Bill Christie. Uh, you can follow him at Larry's Locks, too. You know him as Lucia Larry on Gambling Twitter. Bill, happy NFL Wild Card weekend as we record now at uh, Friday, Sunday morning on the East Coast, soon to be here in the Central Time Zone where I am. How you doing? I'm doing well. Had a great night uh, last night, as you saw, on the college hardwood. Different story today as the uh, gambling gods giveth, the gambling gods taketh <laughs> away. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to a good weekend of some wild card action with a different playoff format this year. And then, of course, we've still got college basketball and some NBA going on as well. Yeah, no, I'm back-to-back four-and-one nights for me between NBA and college basketball, so hoping to keep it rolling. It's been a really good week heading into the weekend. I am up about eight units so far for the week, so um, hoping to finish strong with the National Football League wildcard weekend, and obviously this podcast, we give out our Saturday college basketball plays. Before we get into that, though, I know you got a little bit of uh, – Stuff to get off your chest. So take the airwaves here and, and get it all out. Where do we start? Where do we start? So I'll, I'll go with the uh, quicker one first. Uh, you mentioned that you, you guessed that it may have been having something to do with my uh, allegiance to Michigan football, and that is definitely one of my uh, rants right now is uh, the fact that they decided to extend Jim Harbaugh, uh, I believe it was the 2025 is is ludicrous to me. I mean, the fact that the guy has not been capable of doing his job, essentially, uh, this entire tenure, for them to offer him an extension makes me want to vomit. Then um, I put it out there and said to a couple people, like, it doesn't even matter if he did sign the extension. The fact that they just offered it to him 
to me, it was the last straw. Like, I, I've been a Michigan fan since the Fab Five started. That's what kind of got me into it, watching sure. the Fab Five on, bas- on TV. Um, and that's when I kind of started getting into basketball and playing basketball and all. And then the football team was always on, so I started to watch them and follow them. And, uh, you know, I had some great years, 97 national champions, Charles Woodson, Heisman, all good stuff. Uh, and then they ran Lloyd Carr out of town, and they brought and then in. And it went south from there. Oh, uh, yeah, it's been ugly. But I, I always stayed with it, you know, and, and been a, a true fan the whole way. But that was the last straw. I, I tweeted it out today. Uh, I am now denouncing my Michigan football uh, fandom. I will, still, I will still follow the basketball program. But uh, as far as football, that was it. I can't. Uh, I can't be a fan of that team anymore, that university. So I imagine you saw, uh, and maybe you didn't, an Ohio State football yes. <laughs> like the tweet. That sure. Why wouldn't you? Extension. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Why not? They, keep giving us wins. Exactly. The leadership at Michigan has been the best friend of uh, the Ohio State football program. So, yeah, I mean, I don't blame them for that. No, Phil, I'm curious because I'm more in your camp that this raised eyebrows for me uh, and that I thought – you know, at cer- at a certain point, the seat has to be getting warm for Jim, and it looks just the opposite, and he's got a lot of security there, as we see today. But I had this debate with a few friends just about the state of college football, and I actually was bringing it up to Alex yesterday off off the air about how so many brands have disintegrated in the last 20 years, which has resulted in the rise of these top-tier programs even further where we have Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State kind of just dominating the landscape. And by the brands that have disintegrated, I'm talking Texas, USC, Miami, Florida State. And I wanted to throw Michigan in there, and I got into a conversation with a few friends about this. And, um, you know, because I remember those Lloyd Carr teams and Braylon Edwards and Mike Carr and Chad Henney. And I remember, you know – them in Ohio State playing at Columbus, I think it was 07, and it was number one versus number two. And, yeah. you know, back when there was no Big Ten championship. Like, I, I remember all that. Um, but one of my buddies brought up a point and said, well, you know, look at what happened after that when Rich Rod and and, and, great, and uh, Brady Hoke and, and Jim has gotten them at least to the point where they're nine, ten wins every year, and there's something to be said for that. I can't get there with that. Like, it sounds like you can't either. No. Uh, but – just how do you make uh, the trajectory where, you know, they were at the top of the country for the most part with Carr there and then kind of a laughing stock with Rich Rod and Hoke. And they're not a laughing stock now, but they're kind of just, as I said, nine, ten wins every year. Yeah, and I guess, look, I guess for the administration that they're okay with that, obviously. Um, but, yeah, for me, like, if you're not playing for a Big Ten championship – and ultimately, obviously, a national championship, then what, what are you doing? And to be the level of program that they had been for centuries, really, like, you know, like it's been so long, um, not sorry, centuries, decades, uh, that they're just okay and comfortable with this doesn't make any sense to me. And you mentioned, you know, Rich Rod and, and Brady Hoke. Like, Rich Rod, I really think, unfortunately, tainted that uh, brand, so to speak, like you mentioned, Um but it was a culture that, that that Michigan always had. They were a they had been for years a hard nose, run the ball down your throat, right. they'd run play action once in a while, slip one of their top all American tight ends out in the mm-hmm. um, flat, and you know pick up a big chunk of yards there, and then they beat you on the defensive end. So 
when Rich Rod came and he ran all this crazy, you know, shotgun formation and four or five wide receiver sets and the read option and it really changed the culture. The and, he would have been doing at West Virginia with Pat yeah, White. Right, exactly. And it's just it never translated and it just I was excited when they hired Harbaugh because I thought that, that we were gonna go back to that, you know, kind of similar to what he was doing at Stanford. And, you know, to an extent he does. I mean, you, you see him run the fullback and all, but right. I, I think I've talked to you about this before. The fact that he can't recruit a quarterback, yeah, uh, yeah a five-star quarterback and take the guy from his freshman year to his senior year and consistently grow him has been mind-boggling to me. And, you know, like I said, I'm – I'm happy to be off that horse now and not have to watch and worry about them and follow them like I had for, my God, for so long now. Uh, I can just kind of enjoy the rest of the, uh, the country watching good football when the time comes. But, yeah, that's <laughs> that's the end of the road for me with, with Michigan football for sure. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say, just to try and rationalize it a little bit on the administration side, I don't know offhand. I know Ward Manuel is the AD at Michigan. I'm not sure how long he's been there, but – Part of me does wonder if this is just merely a fear that the grass is not always greener, and if you do bring in a new coach, it's, you're going to be back to those Rich Rod, Brady Hoke days. Yeah, I guess you're looking at it that way. But but it's a loser's mentality in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And again, let, hence why Ohio State loved that tweet, right? Like, <laughs> of course, like, they're so in, they have yeah. a – a spot yeah. in their head. Northwestern and, you know, Illinois might not love it, but Ohio right. State sure does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you got another thing more <laughs> related to what we do here on this podcast, give out winners, at least we hope to. Yeah. Uh, what else is on your mind? Look, it, let, let, let's run through this very quickly. <laughs> and you may have seen me post this. You talked about what we've been doing here on the pod. Uh, our record on the pod has been absolutely amazing. Overall, uh, I have us at... 46 and 23, good for 67% on our plays here. We're 3 0 on max plays. Consensus plays where we both are on the same play, 11 and 7, good enough for 61%. Um, you individually, I have you as 23 and 14 for 62%. Myself at 32 and 16 for 67%. Myself, I tweeted this out today because I actually ran through all my stats uh, for this year currently for college basketball. I am almost exceeding my unit total from last year. I am at, this was as of this morning, 61.75 units for uh, 57% I'm hitting at. 174 for 129. Um, and I had put out yesterday, I went 10-0 and between college and NBA, uh, swept the entire board, uh, was good enough for 12-plus units. And I had some people reaching out to me and, and getting on the VIP service, which I expected and I was excited about. Um but one uh, very nice gentleman joined, uh, and within, I don't know, four hours, I think we were 0-4 at one point this afternoon, and uh, he asked for a refund, which, you know, I, I said, okay, I mean, it's only been a half a day. Uh, you know, there's plenty of games still going on, but if you want the refund, you can take the refund. And he basically said something to the extent of, if I knew Helen Keller was making my picks, I never would have talked to you. Well, okay, here's the, here's the issue I have. The plays that lost were all one-unit plays. I think there was one two-unit play in there. I put it out there on my Twitter account and to all my clients. I roll on a 2.5% per unit um, of our bankroll. So, quick example, 
If you have $1,000 you're willing to part with and gamble with, that's $25 per unit. Right. I don't think many people out there are really actually playing on that bankroll. I, I think for the majority of people, they're playing with a much smaller bankroll. Um, now, they might be betting more per game. Exactly, and they don't heed that advice. Like, And I said to the guys, and there's no way you're this upset unless you don't go by my unit size. You know, you must be putting more on this, and you're probably down a ton early because you saw that I was 10-0 yesterday. You bought, and you figured, oh, wow, he's going to go 10-0 today. It doesn't work that way. You know, the, the best – the best handicappers in the world strive for that 55 to 58%. Right. And we're talking top in the world, you know, top percent of them. Um, so, you know, I pride myself with the fact that I am at over 56% in college basketball um, and even better in college football. So, you know, I take this stuff serious. And to get that kind of response from somebody after they've been with me for a few hours coming off the best day that I've had uh, all year, you know, it, it just drove me nuts. And, and again, that's their prerogative, happy to give them their money back. I would never not refund somebody, um, you know, for that kind of simple fact. But, like, you have to understand that, that when you're in this and you're gambling, you're not. it's not a lottery ticket. I've said it before. You're not going into this thinking, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to turn my $5 into ten grand on two pl- – like, they want to do all these parlays that FanDuel and DraftKings, right. all their oh, Twitter God. accounts post. How many know, times, like, Bill, that is a oh. pet peeve of mine. How many times do you see, especially on an NFL Sunday, where the FanDuel or DraftKings Twitter will put out, like, this better turn $5 into five grand, yeah, And it's I, like this one person that hit this big parlay. It is the biggest tease. Oh yeah, on gambling Twitter. Not only that, but I would love, I would love to see the, those people's accounts. Like, I would love to see how much they've lost prior to. Do you know what I mean? Like, come on, like you're not hitting. There's a reason why the odds are that crazy on the parlays. It's because you're not going to hit them that often. You know. Yeah. And I have oh. guys ask me all the time about parlays. I don't. Gosh. Yeah, I don't advocate parlays at all. You know, if you want to do it for fun here and there, a couple bucks, fine. Um, but like, I don't, I don't advocate people playing, you know, six different parlays throughout the day on, you know, a card that I might put out with eight to ten plays on. It's that's not the system. The system is you play it by what I'm putting out as far as yeah. units. And look at, I mean, my tracker speaks for itself. You can go onto my spreadsheet, my bio, where my link is, and look at all my past plays. Um, and I've been consistent. So, yeah, sorry to rant, but I was a little ticked off by that. No, I get it. Um, hey, hey, that's what we're here for. Uh, you can you can certainly use this platform to uh, vent about anything gambling-related. I'm not going to stop you. One thing that I'll also add, just to close the book on all of this, uh, listen, I understand people don't like losing. None of us do, and we all have to kind of deal with it in our own ways, and others deal with it better than we, you know, uh, you know others deal with it better than others, as we just saw here. Um, but, you know, and uh, Bill, I don't know if you look at it this way, and now I give my picks out for free, but I'm sure that, you know, even if someone wanted to buy your picks, I've always said, hey, if you want to fade my picks, go ahead and fade my picks. I'm not going to care. You know what? If you think my picks, if you're going to pay, you know, and especially in your case, somebody's right. going to pay you money just to bet against you, I don't know how you feel about that, but I personally wouldn't care. No, absolutely. I've had that conversation with many people in our field and have said the same thing, where, you know, people will be commenting on their on their accounts saying, oh, my God, I'm only on you to fade you. Okay. <laughs> Who cares? Like, I, it doesn't matter. Good, good luck to you. Because, again, at the end of the day, and, and I've talked about this so many times with so many different people, 
I only have one enemy in this game. Only one. And that's the book. Besides right. that, I don't I don't care. If if I see random person that's up, buying my picks and fading is not an enemy. <laughs> right, exactly. I look at it as and and oh, I see all these other handicappers on Twitter that are constantly like, you know, degrading each other and commenting under each other's posts and putting people down like I don't care. Like if I see 10 handicappers all go and go against the pick that I happen to be on and they all win and I lose, it's like, okay, I'm not happy I lost, but like, I'm not going to like give them shit for winning. Like good for you guys. You guys had a better read than I did on that. At the end of the day, we're all attacking the book. We all want to take money away from the book. That's, that's, that's all it is. That's why you see all these different guys do these collab plays. It's like, we want to take money from the book and put it into other people's pockets. That's, I mean, that's why I do it. I mean, I'm sure there's other people out there with different motives, but I mean, that's, that's why I'm in this. And the fact that I'm able to do that for people, you know, I do do it as a paid service, but I also give out free plays. And I'm, I just started finally like really tracking my free plays since the end of last year. And I'm, I'm on a 14 and four run right now. Like, like, so not only am I be able to give to my clients, but I love to be able to get these free plays every once in a while to people at least once, twice a day, and hopefully be able to help them, you know, make some better choices in their gambling picks. You know what I mean? Cause again, at the end of the day, we just want to take money from the book. There's no other enemy out there. As well said. And Hey, I suppose it'll bring a perfect segue into our first game because we have a crossfire here uh, between Alabama and Auburn. Alabama, a five-point road favorite, a total of 150. And the reason I say that's such a good segue, at least I'm hoping it is, because I like to think what goes around comes around, and that eventually I'm going to win one of these, just like eventually, <laughs> yeah. as you said, today wasn't your best day, but you had a good day yesterday, right? Right. You're, you're going to be on the tide here. You've been getting me the better of me time and time again when we're on the opposite sides here on the podcast. Uh, tell me why you like the road chalk. Uh, just because you're on the other side, Greg. That's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Um, look, Helen Keller. Long... What's that? I said Helen Keller. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, if I keep going the way I've been going today, you're in business for tomorrow. Um, look, at number one. I'm fading Auburn as much as I can this year. We've talked about this plenty of times. I am not high on this team whatsoever. Um, they are 3-7-1 against the spread in total. Uh, they are also as a uh, home dog, right? Or no, oh, I'm sorry, as a dog straight. They are 1-5 this season. Uh, and on the other side, Bama, decent as a favorite. They're 5-4-1. and one. Um, And on the road, only one true road game so far for Bama. They passed that uh, exam. They went 1-0. and uh, So for those reasons I'm on Bama, the line is, I'll give you this, the line does seem a little bit low. Um, I would think it to be a little bit higher with the fact that, you know, Bama being 8-3 and overall, Auburn being 6-5. and um, But, again, I'm trying to fade Auburn as much as I can. And it doesn't seem like the world's greatest spot, but it's definitely not a spot where I would see myself on Auburn. But, you can tell me why I'm wrong and why I probably should be on Auburn here. Yeah, and hey, first, you know, if you've tuned in all season, you know that both of us are not very high on Auburn. I've been fading Auburn several times already this season, uh, and most of the time that has been pretty profitable. Most recently, back on December 30th, podcast play for me was Arkansas minus the short number on the road against Auburn. Uh, But first off, you mentioned Auburn as a dog. That Arkansas game was 
the only uh, true home dog spot that they lost in. All those other dog spots were either on the road or on neutral courts, and they actually won as a six-point underdog outright on a neutral court against Memphis. But anyway, this is just a pure motivational, situational spot for me that I have to play. This may be the only time all season that I bet Auburn. I'm I'm dead serious. And <laughs> it is because we talked about it ad nauseum, and we'll probably bring it up anytime we talk about an Auburn game. The postseason ban, you always wonder kind of where these teams' heads are at throughout the season. And certainly Auburn you know, has shown, uh, you know, a, a level of inconsistency that you wonder if it would be there if postseason was on the table. I mean, they've lost three straight and haven't covered in any of those three. But here we have an in-state rivalry game. And here we have, you know, certainly in football, it's one of the best rivalries in all of sports. And by no means do we think of it on the same level in basketball. But I have to think if you're Auburn, you're at home, you've been struggling, you're not doing anything postseason-wise this year. If there's a game that you're going to get up for, if there's this, a game... Wait, wait, wait. This sounds like a Greg Circle the Wagons game. Am I right? <laughs> you know, I'm surprised you brought that back from uh, last year. I would always say that. Yeah, but, but that's right. this kind of spot, right? It, it is absolutely this kind of spot. They've, as I said, lost three straight and didn't cover any of the three. Meanwhile, here comes Alabama. The Crimson Tide might be playing in the national championship in bas- in football, but in basketball, they've won four straight and covered all four. They're starting to pick up some steam. Uh, and like you said, that line being where it is, given the circumstances for these two teams, almost makes me think it's a little trappy as well. Uh, but really, the big reason I like it so much is the motivational and situational spot. If this game were in Alabama, or at in Tuscaloosa, I would have passed. But with it being a home game for Auburn, I think this is probably Auburn's season. So I, can, I think they can at least cover the five. And I can tell you this. I would 1,000% oh, God, Harbaugh's on my TV. I almost threw up. I apologize. Uh, I would actually really be high on this Auburn, Auburn spot. If Kentucky, oddly enough, if Kentucky actually was a normal Kentucky season right now, because that's who Bama has next. And oh, normally okay. I'd be like, okay, this is a look-ahead spot for Bama, right? But, I mean, it's, it can't be. I mean, like, what are you looking ahead to? What are you looking ahead to? to, right? You know, like, Kentucky is, is nothing this year. What are they, I don't even know what their record is. Do they have two wins yet? Yeah, three and six. I mean, there's really nothing to look forward to there, so that doesn't really worry me too much, but... You know, like I said, I'll be on Bama probably small, mainly a fade on Auburn here. Um, and we'll see if we can get off the schneid here and you can take yeah. me down. And I'm going to be on Auburn spot. small too. Like the, the, the situational and the motivational stuff is probably the only thing that gets me on Auburn than anything here. Um, you know, and hey, Bama did smoke them in football this year. So I think Auburn returns the favor. All right, we shall see. We shall see. I need a win in these crossfires. Let's keep things moving. I'm going to go to the ACC, uh, and I'll be quick here. I don't have a lot on the game, but I'm going to look to a similarly similarly priced underdog as Auburn was to Miami uh, in the ACC. As I'm going to look to the Miami Hurricanes catching six and a half at home. Uh, excuse me, on the road against the NC State Wolfpack. Total of one forty three and a half. Bill, I just couldn't figure out why this line was where it was. And so 
oftentimes we talk about that as being, uh, you know, when we like to play favorites, if we just think, oh, my gosh, like, what is this line? Had this line been closer to double digits, then I certainly would have stayed away. But I think this should be more like three, two and a half, three and a half, somewhere in that neighborhood. And here's why. Both of these teams preseason picked around the same neighborhood in the ACC. Uh, Clemson was, or excuse me, not Clemson, uh, NC State was picked eighth, and uh, Miami was picked seventh in the conference. And so far, both of these teams have kind of been producing very similar results. A lot of very close losses for them in conference play. Three of the four Miami uh, ACC games have been decided by two points or less, okay? And then all three of NC State's conference games have been decided by four points or less. So, and then we like to talk about common opponents to try and contextualize schedules a little bit. Miami uh, and uh, NC State have both played Clemson and North Carolina in the conference already. And I mentioned how close these games have been in conference games for Miami and NC State, and they've already played, they already have some common opponents under their belt. So, you know, if anything, with the fact that these teams have kind of been, you know, more losing more of these close games than winning them, I think that you're going to see these teams, like, like Virginia Tech was picked to finish behind them in the conference. They're going to probably finish ahead of them. I think you're going to see these teams get back a little in the league compared to the preseason poll. One, if not, maybe both of them miss the NCAA tournament. And I, I just think this is two pretty even teams, and you're giving me six and a half points. I'm probably going to take it. Uh, so I like Miami here. I don't know if you want to add anything. I'm just curious why. I'm just curious why you think the line. You're saying you think the line should be like two or three. In that neighborhood of like, yeah, maybe not two, but three, four, something like that. Just because, of, like I said, both these teams have played so many close games in the conference. I got you. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at NC State being six and two. Tough loss, like you mentioned, to uh, to Clemson their last outing. They beat a decent North Carolina team. They're handling their business against everybody else. They have a loss to a St. Louis team who's a half-decent program. Um, and the one thing with North Carolina State here is, I mean, it could be a look ahead a bit. They have Florida State in their next matchup. Um, you know, Florida State's kind of underperformed. Yeah, I forgot to include that, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, I mean, the other thing, by the way, spot. that I want to add, by the, I mentioned the – uh, conference play, close games. I I didn't like the way, and obviously they didn't either. They lost the game. NC State really let that game get away against Clemson. Like, had they finished the deal and won that game, I'd probably stay away here. But I, I just think we've seen them, uh, you know, in these tight games in conference play. Only beat Boston College by three on the road. Uh, so I, I think more often than not, this is just who NC State is. They're going to play a lot of close games in conference play. Yeah, uh, yeah. again, the look-ahead spot does it for me. I'm not going to be on it, uh, but if I was going to lean either way, I'd be leaning for uh, Miami here as well. I'm going to go to the Big 12 now, and I'm going to lay a big number here as we have an in-state game uh, down in Texas where the Baylor Bears make the trip from Waco uh, to take on uh, Texas Christian. Uh, Baylor is a 12.5-point road favorite against TCU, total of 143.5. And I am going to lay the lumber with Baylor. The Bears have been a cover machine, 8-2 and two against the spread. Of course, Baylor is 10-0 and 0 straight up, one of the best teams in the country. 
Uh, and all of all but one of those spreads, this shouldn't be a huge surprise, but nonetheless, think it's worth noting, all but one of the spreads in Baylor's 10 games have been double-digit lines. And the only one that wasn't a double-digit spread, they covered as four-and-a-half-point chalk against Illinois, and they won the game by 13 on a neutral floor anyway. So Baylor's obviously been rolling right through everyone, and I mentioned, and I'll talk about this plenty, uh, I've already have and will continue to, about how I think at a certain point, you do have to look to fade these teams. We talked about it with Drake. Eventually, the market catches up, uh, and they get a little expensive. But I don't think this is the spot to do it with Baylor, primarily because of the other team here in TCU and why I just don't love this spot for uh, the Horned Frogs. They are a middle-of-the-pack Big 12 team, and, and I think you know they were picked in the middle of the conference. They played some other teams that are in that middle tier with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, lost by four against Oklahoma, one by one against Oklahoma State. Um, I think they won by seven against Kansas State. You know, and Kansas State's another team that, you know, they don't do a ton for you in the Big 12. I actually think they're closer to the bottom of the league. But the point is, uh, there hasn't been anything from TCU that has indicated to me that they're anything other than that middle-of-the-pack Big 12 team that, you know, probably doesn't go to the NCAA tournament. Maybe they do, but, you know, there's nothing that really jumps about TCU in any direction, really. And um, what happened to them earlier this week when they had to take a step up in class? I'm looking, they're 82nd in Ken Palm, so still obviously a lot of work for them to do to get to the big dance. But what, what happened when they get step up in class early this week? At home, Kansas absolutely annihilates them, uh, winning. And now Kansas obviously was off that Texas loss, so it, the stars really did not align at all for TCU. But... Kansas goes in there and beats them by 29 points. And I think when you have a Baylor team that has been just running through teams the way Baylor has, and Tech and TCU just got slaughtered by Kansas, I think this is a spot where TCU just kind of throws its hands up and says, you know, woe is me. We are not on this level yet. Let's, you know, focus on the Oklahoma States and the Oklahomas in the Big 12, like I mentioned, that we're, you know, competitive with. But that is not Baylor. I think they're going to fold pretty quickly once they get behind here. That's why I'm laying the points with the Baylor Bears. Yeah, I'm not going to have a play on this. Um, I really don't lean either way. The only thing that I would put out there is to have a little bit of caution with Baylor, only saying that because they are back-loaded on this schedule coming in after this game. They go home against West Virginia in their very next game, then they're at Texas Tech, then they're back home against Kansas. I mean, we talk about the look-ahead spots all the time, TCU being a team that you mentioned. They're real middle-of-the-road type of team. Grant, they're 9-3 and three overall, but you know they haven't really beat anybody of substance yet. I don't think Baylor's that team. I don't think Baylor's the type of program right now that's you know in a spot where even if they did look ahead, they can still easily handle their business. They're just a different level. Um, so that really wouldn't worry me too, too much. It's just something that I wanted to throw out there. Uh, it's probably one of the main reasons why I'm not going to play the game at all. Um, and there's, I try to look back, and there hasn't really been a look-ahead spot yet for Baylor. Um, I think they played one – yeah, they had Illinois uh, early on in the season. They played Washington before that, and we all know Washington's been, you know, nothing, <laughs> uh, so yeah. to speak, for this season. Are they even so, a D1 program? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it right now. So I'll be interested to see what happens with this game. Um, and you know, it might be a second half play for me if I see Baylor is 
really struggled out of the gate, I might I might throw something on it live or second half. But sure. if I don't, I wish you the best of luck there on Baylor, and uh, hopefully they'll be blowing them out before halftime for you. Let's uh, wrap up the first part of our pod before we hit a break. Bill, you're going to take us uh, – actually, we're going to stay in the Big 12, where uh, you like a home dog in Ames, uh, the Iowa State Cyclones, catching 7.5 against Texas Tech, total of 134. Uh, tell me why you like the home dog. Uh, simple look-ahead spot again. Tech's got uh, Texas on Wednesday. Um, and Texas Tech, they haven't really been that good as favorites against the spread. They've been 4-8. and eight on the season, whereas Iowa State on the other side, as a dog, they've been a pretty strong dog. They're 3-1 and one against the spread uh, in that underdog role. Uh, Iowa State just seems to play to the level of competition. They play up sure. against good teams. They play down to the bad teams. No, they hung tough against Texas. They only lost by six. Before that, they lost by nine to the number two team in the country, like I had, we were just talking about in Baylor. Um, and they only lost by five to West Virginia earlier this year. So, Again, it's a spot where Iowa State, it's not a ton of points, um, and maybe that's because they've been doing such a good job of covering as a dog. Um, but I think it's a spot where Iowa State can really sneak in and get the cover. Uh, I'm hesitating on, on it, but I think the money line could be in play here. Uh, again, it, it, the look-ahead spot for Tech here and the fact that Iowa State being such a good dog this year, it, those two things line up, make it a play for me. Uh, again, it's not going to be a huge play, one, maybe two units, um, and a possible very, very small sprinkle on the money line as well. Yeah, um, not a ton for me here. I won't be involved, but I probably would lean to the Cyclone side as well for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. I mean, listen, they've already played in the league, as you said, Texas and Baylor and West Virginia and covered all three games. Now, they were a bigger underdog than right. what they are here, but obviously Texas Tech is not those three teams. So... Um, you know, I, I think while they are two and six, you know, this is got to be one of the more confident two and six teams in the country, right? I mean, yeah. you know, certainly, you know, as I look at the rest of their schedule that they've played so far, uh, you know, they played Iowa, of course, in state rivalry game, non-conference. They played South Dakota State, who's a pretty good mid-major program, um, you know, and so you look at some of the, the disappointment that would come Really, the only result that I look at and say, oh, you know, they probably should have had that one, is losing against Kansas State at home as an eight-point favorite. Uh, you know, so it's been a tough road, it looks like, here for Iowa State out of the gate, and I think it's getting easier, and that's why I kind of agree with you in terms of maybe the money line potentially being in play if you like Iowa State. is probably one of those games uh, where there could be enough variance to get you there. Um so, uh, you know, I, I, again, I probably will stay away, uh, but I think uh, the handicap is pretty sound on the Cyclones. So let's take a break, and uh, we'll come back. Uh, we've still got a lot to get to. I have uh, some of my bigger plays here. i got a lot to get to on the West Virginia and Texas game, speaking of the Big 12. Uh, and then we are going to end with a consensus play as well, as uh, Bill has a solo play as well. Still more to do. Here on Full Slate. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program that allows you to host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of this program, you'll receive personal cover art, 
Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank here with you. Find me at Undercover Greg for all of my picks. Been a pretty good week, hoping to finish strong in the National Football League and on the college hardwood primarily. Maybe we'll sprinkle in an NBA play here or there. I'm active on the ice as well. National Hockey League getting started on Wednesday. Fired up for that. Uh, joined, as always, on this college basketball edition of the pod with Bill Christie. You know him as Lucha Larry on Gambling Twitter, at Larry's Locks 2 for all of his picks. And I went out of order here, Bill. I want to get to another one of your solo plays. Uh, and it is in the ACC, where we have the Virginia Cavaliers uh, on the road at, looks like, eight and a half, nine. They are laying in Chestnut Hill against the Boston College Eagles. Total of 131. Let's jump right back to our plays. Uh, tell me why you like the Cavaliers. So, yeah, the Virginia, they look, they struggled against a very weak Wake Forest team last outing. Uh, but we've talked about this situation before, specifically with this program, actually. Tony Bennett being a top ten coach in the country in this program isn't one to have those back-to-back bad uh, outings. Um, I wouldn't say that Wake Forest played out of their minds. I would say it was more so that Virginia didn't play up to the caliber that they're normally capable of playing to. Um, and BC played well against that team uh, from Durham that we won't mention uh, in their <laughs> last outing. Uh, BC's not covered a home game. They're 0-3, 0-2 as a home dog. Uh, Syracuse is a team that smacked them around. Louisville took care of them as well. Um, Virginia, they only had one road favorite game, uh, and that was against Notre Dame. They covered that one. Uh, and then I looked at Ken Palm, and Virginia's 33rd in offensive efficiency, BC being 128th in defensive. Uh, you flip it the other way around, and BC being 82nd offensively, but you got Virginia's top with their 16th defensively. So I see this getting ugly. Totals only 131, plays to the UVA narrative of defense. I see I see Virginia winning comfortably by double digits in this one. Very, to be honest, this is this is a spot where I see it being. Look, it's not the same kind of handicap, but I feel like I can see the game going very similarly to our last crossfire game, unfortunately, um, where the Michigan Wolverines I had mentioned. I, I actually posted a piece of the, the pod out there where I made mention of it. I, I did see that one getting ugly and then winning between 15 and 20, and, look, they took care of business at 1 by 25. I think that Virginia's at a different level in this BC program, and this is a game where it's a get-right game, really, for Virginia, and, and I see them putting them away pretty easily. Yeah, nothing for me here. The one thing that would give me some pause, and I'm not going to take a side. I don't even know where I lean here. Bill, not at all concerned by the – and listen, at the end of the day, still giving up 61 points. Plenty of programs would take that. But UVA allows 61 to Wake, 57 to Notre Dame. These are mid-tier 
closer to the bottom, you know, ACC programs, normally you're seeing those teams that Virginia plays against that are, you know, middle of the pack, bottom ACC teams, they're in the 40s, you know, or, you know, sometimes even the 30s. So I don't, like, do we think this is the same juggernaut defensive program that UVA is? Because I'm just looking at some of their over-unders. There uh, looks like 500 uh, over-under this season. So um, I, that's the one thing. Like, I'm not saying they can't win this game by double digits, but mm-hmm. I'm just curious, like, you know, as I said, 4-4 four and four is uh, over-under. Like, do we think that they're just going to be able to – this is just UVA, 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 and, and they're just going to defend, defend, defend? It's hard to say. I mean, when you look back at the games they played, you mentioned Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a team that, look, the normal they can shoot the ball well. Yeah. But, yeah, they can shoot the ball from deep, and, and they can put up some points. Um, I don't know what to really make of the Wake Forest game, really, to be honest with you. I mean, they shot – I mean, again, it's from outside. They shot over 50% from three. That's what kept them in the game. Uh, um, and they shot 50% from the field. So – when I look at that, I'm like, all right, it could be a fluke. Because the other game's Gonzaga. I throw that one <laughs> out the window. Sure, you know, yeah. nobody's stopping them. But they held William Mary, not a good program. They held them to that 40 number, like you had mentioned. Ken State put up 64. St. Francis, 50. You know, they lost to San Francisco. They put up 60. Townsend, 54. Like, the earlier games seemed like it was more like that style. And I think that's going to be this kind of spot. I think they're going to be able to hold this Boston College team, who I mentioned. I think that. We said what they're 82nd in offensive efficiency. Like it's it's not a really really strong offensive team, um, so I think Virginia's going to be able to hold these guys down pretty low. And and on the flip side, you know Virginia's putting up points. You know they're I said they're yeah yeah no that's top, top 35. And again, Hauser makes a big difference in this program. So I look to him to kind of lead the charge in this game. And again, I really don't think it's going to be close. I think they're going to put them away pretty easily and win by double digits. Yeah, no, you're right in the sense that they're putting up points. I just wonder, and we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of basketball still to be played, and, you know, the ACC, uh, you know, doesn't look like it's the best Duke team this year. You know, North Carolina has been pretty vulnerable. So, you know, maybe they can kind of transition a little in terms of their identity and still compete and, you know, make a run to a Sweet 16 again. That's what these good programs do in college football, college basketball, whatever. They they seem to just adapt around their personnel, and, and maybe that's what Virginia's in the middle of doing right now. You mentioned Sam Hauser. Obviously, he can really score the rock. So, wishing you nothing but the best here, but I'm going to stay away from Virginia at Boston College. One game that I'm very interested in, I'm going to go back to the Big 12, where we have the Texas Longhorns making the trip uh, east to take on the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, we're seeing Texas, uh, looks like Texas opened as a short favorite, and it looks like now West Virginia is the short favorite. I'm seeing one right now on Bet Bet-Online. Um, looking right now before we hopped on, I put all my plays in. I want to say I got West Virginia at plus one. I'm confirming, but nonetheless, yes, I am going to be on the West Virginia side here, and I did get plus one. Uh, and I also like this game under the total. Uh, this is one where I think, obviously, I'm playing the side and the total. I think there's a little bit of a correlation um, in terms of the fact that when I see a line this short, I have to think that if West Virginia is going to win, this is and, and we're expecting a close game. If you like the West Virginia side, I think you have to like, speaking of defense, rock fights, in your face, think you have to like West Virginia to do it that kind of way. Um, and 
you know, just how we mentioned with Virginia playing a little more high scoring. Virginia is four and four to the over, as I said. West Virginia has played twelve games and they're seven and five to the over. So we don't always associate West Virginia with scoring a lot of points and, and, and shooting threes and, 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 and running up and down the floor. They're kind of in your face, press Virginia, whatever. But they are scoring a little bit more. But then I dug a little deeper, and I looked at the seven games that have gone over the total for West Virginia, and they're four and three straight up, three and four against the spread in those seven. And, of course, two of those games, two of the three straight-up losses – came against two of the better teams in the country in Kansas and Gonzaga, okay? Now, in the five games that went under the total, West Virginia is 5-0 and straight up, and they're 3-2 and against the spread. So having already played and seen the games go over the total against top programs like Gonzaga and Kansas, I think you have to look to West Virginia. If you're West Virginia, you have to be saying, let's get back to our bread and butter and really grind these teams down and make them beat us in the 60s because that's ultimately how we're going to beat these better teams. That's kind of how we get to top 10, top 15 in the country. And they weren't able to do that. This is also why I like the side and the total. Against their last two games, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, they weren't able to do that. Those are two of their over games. And they lost outright against Oklahoma, and Bill, I know that we were both on Oklahoma State, and unfortunately, Mm -hmm. they came back, did the Mountaineers, and managed to win that game in the 80s. But I just don't think that's West Virginia. They got outscored in those two games in the first half, by the way. The combined first halves against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State were 83-55 to Mm. for the opponents of West Virginia getting outscored were the Mountaineers. So... They're going to have to come out and really set the tone defensively here. And when I'm seeing this line where it's at and now bet through pick to where West Virginia looks like it's going to go off the short favorite, I have to look to the Mountaineers at home. One last point, because I did feel the total at 140, uh, you know, that's not a super high total for college basketball standards, but I was curious where these totals were when West Virginia and Texas played last year. The two totals between the Longhorns and the Mountaineers were 128 and 129 and a half. So West Virginia and under for me in this game at home in Morgantown. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to be probably putting a play out here on West Virginia as well. Um, most of the reasons that you stated – and you said, like, it's going to mostly be a low-scoring game that you see West Virginia win this. And it's going to have to be, right? Like, Texas is number three in the country in, in uh, defensive efficiency. So, you know, if West Virginia is going to get the job done, they're not going to be able, in my opinion, be able to put up a ton, a ton of points. I think it's got to have to be the other way around. And some of the things that I'll add real quick, um, West Virginia has struggled lately, but they've been getting the job done, right? Like they, we mentioned, they – they struggled against Oklahoma and took the loss there, but they struggled against Oklahoma State, got a win. On the other side, Texas, well, they absolutely annihilated this Kansas team um, a couple weeks ago. And not that this is a look-ahead spot, because I don't think they're going to look ahead of West Virginia, but they do have Texas Tech as their next game. Um, just a tough road for them to get started into here. Um, it doesn't make sense. You just look at the rankings, right? Look at four versus 14, and like you mentioned, they started out as a short dog, and now they're a short favorite as West Virginia. So 
the fact the line's moving that way, to me, it dictates that West Virginia makes the most sense to be playing here, and, and I'm going to be playing it for what you said and what I just mentioned as well. So let's get a nice little W here, and as well as our other consensus play that we're going to be speaking about in a couple minutes. Yeah, hey, uh, I'm glad that uh, I talked you into it there. I, I had a feeling you might be leaning that way as well. Uh, you know, and by the way, you know, I know that they're not necessarily, they're not Kansas, you know, they're not, you know, a blue blood program, but West Virginia is about, I, I look just straight up under Bob Huggins, you know, they're 80% at home just winning the game. And, and so, and that's going back to 2007. Like, this is, you know, this is, as I said, it's not Fog Allen Fieldhouse, it's not Cameron Indoor Stadium, but I think West Virginia is kind of an underrated home court. That's the last thing I'll yeah, say. I agree. So, uh, let's wrap things up in the Big Ten where we have another consensus play. Um, and it's going to be on the, uh, you know, another early game here, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights home chalk. Looks like this is up to four. I got three and a half, uh, four max. Total of 139 and a half. Bill, I've been doing a lot of the talking lately. I'll get <laughs> in on this at the end, but I want to let you start on Rutgers at home. Well, you mentioned you have it as a max play. I, I'm not there yet. Um, I had put it out to my guys for two units. Same, same line you got it at, three and a half early. Um, but Rutgers is coming off that embarrassing loss to Michigan State. Me and you had speak, spoken about this um, mm-hmm. a little bit after that game. It's, it's hands down the worst game that Rutgers has played all year. There's no doubt about that. Um, and then you look at Ohio State. They're also coming off a sort of embarrassing loss to Minnesota. Um but Rutgers is a very strong team at home, like they've been over the past couple of seasons. 4-2-1. Ohio State, on the other hand, they're absolute hot garbage on the road. 0-3-1 against the spread. And, as, again, as much as I want to hammer Rutgers in this game, because it's also a revenge spot, they lost to Ohio State by 12 in their last meeting mm-hmm. at Ohio State. Um, if the Rutgers-Penn uh, State game wasn't postponed, I'd, I'd be all over it. It would no question be a max play for me. But because that's postponed, the next game Rutgers has is a little bit of a look-ahead spot here against Wisconsin. Um, so there's that possibility to factor in. All that being said, I- I'm still on Rutgers. I still like them a lot. I, I just can't get myself to put them uh, as at max play, uh, at least not just yet. Maybe, maybe I'll end up doing it as we go a little bit. I'm curious to see uh, how much that line ticks up. If it gets up to around five, I might be – a little more out to make the move, but if not, I'm going to probably stay put with the two units. Yeah, so I like this a lot. Obviously, it's a max play for me on Rutgers, minus the short number at home. You mentioned it. We know that Rutgers is much better at home, and they're coming off of a really embarrassing road loss against Michigan State, and it's weird you know, one thing that I like to do, and I've talked about this before, is I like to bet on teams, you know, programs I trust that are going to be buttoned up and are going to bounce back and, and recover from losses. It's weird to talk about Rutgers men's basketball in that light, but I'm trusting them going back to the rack, uh, you know, off of that loss. Here's just some numbers, too, about how good they've been at home. Since the beginning of last season, and we know how good the Big Ten is, Rutgers and Wisconsin share the best straight-up records at home in the Big Ten. 24-2 and since the start of last season are those two programs playing on their home floors. So, obviously, you know, Rutgers feels literally at home playing there in Piscataway. <laughs> and the against-the-spread number is also very good for Rutgers 
since the start of last year at home, 16-7-2 against the spread. I looked to, I used the start of last year because, uh, you know, that's kind of when Rutgers really got to where it started to get to where it is now in the Big Ten. Um, and that's the third best cover rate since the start of last season in terms of home Big Ten games. That's the uh, third best uh, home cover rate in the conference behind only Iowa. And I found this interesting. Ohio State actually has been covering better at home since the start of last season than Rutgers. But, and this is where I really started to like this even more. We know that Ohio State is more of like the middle of the road Big Ten team, right? They're not, yep. you know, they're going to be probably a double digit seed in the NCAA tournament. They were an 11 seed la- or in 2019 when they, we last had the tournament. That's the kind of team Ohio State is. So when I saw them covering that well at home, I thought, oh God, they're probably a mess on the road. And sure enough, since the start of last season, Ohio State is the worst road cover rate in the Big Ten at 4-10-1. That's 28.6% against the spread. So just purely playing that home road splits makes me like this. You mentioned the revenge spot for Rutgers. That is another thing I like, having lost by 12 against Ohio State in Columbus back on December the 23rd. Here's another thing that I like to do. I always like to look at the lines and just use common opponents to try and understand you know, where lines are going and if they make sense. Okay, go back to the middle of December, about three weeks ago. This is actually a game I was involved in. I laid, a, laid about five and a half, six. It ended up closing seven. That was Purdue, the favorite against Ohio State uh, in a game in West Lafayette. Ohio State closed as a seven-point dog, as I said, in that game. Ended up pushing against the spread. The closing line landed seven. Purdue winning. So, I know Purdue beat Michigan State tonight, but and this line came out while the game was still going on between Purdue and Michigan State. You're telling me that Purdue is going to be a seven-point favorite at home against Ohio State, and Rutgers is only going to be a three-and-a-half-point favorite, so Purdue is three-and-a-half points better than Rutgers, even though Rutgers beat Purdue and covered the game less than two weeks ago on December 29th. That was another thing that just seemed like this is way out of whack. Number is too short. We're seeing the line on the move. I booked a max at three and a half, and I love it. Yeah, again, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm on it as well. I just, I just can't get myself to, to shove all the chips in, so to speak, on a max play here with you. But it is a consensus for us, and you know, again, we've been pretty consistent. I think we're 11 and seven on consensus plays so far this this season on the pod. So hopefully that trend continues. We get to, uh, we get to 13 and seven after this. Uh, this podcast airs and the games end tomorrow, but we shall see. Bill, any last words, you know, just things you're looking at in the National Football League? I know Alex and I did our NFL pod on Thursday night, which dropped on Friday. Uh, just anything you're especially eyeing up? So I, haven't, I didn't listen to your guys' pod, but let me ask you, are you guys on any of the dogs this weekend? So I'm going to be on Washington tomorrow night. Um, and I'm trying to think, I believe that's the only dog, and I haven't bet it yet because I'm hoping that Evans gets ruled in and that line ticks up and maybe there's a little teaser protection move. I mentioned this as well because right now I think it's at eight, and obviously that's just opening the door for people that still want to come in and take Tampa in a teaser and get them below three. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that the line ticks up eight and a half, nine, between the teaser protection and Evans. That is the only dog that I have bet, though, uh, so far in the NFL. 
Okay, because I, I think, I don't know if I sent this to you guys or not, but a buddy of mine had sent it to me earlier in the day that underdogs are 22-16-2 and 16 and two against the spread. They're also 17-23 and 23 straight up in the wild card round the past 10 seasons, good enough for 58%. Um, so I like that. Oh, and, I should and, say I, I used the Rams in a teaser. I like getting them up close through that three. Right, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. Seattle really hasn't impressed me all that much. Um, but I think that, that – I think, honestly, if every dog won outright tomorrow, I wouldn't be blown away by it in the least. Like, I can yeah, totally I, see that happening. I can't happen. take anything in that Buffalo Indy game. I said, it, I said it on our pod. I think it's really high variance. Buffalo has been crushing everyone. But I do think if Buffalo then gets thrusted into a tight spot in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter – Young quarterback who crippled last year in the playoffs against the Texans. Uh, you know, I, I could see the Colts just running Johnny Taylor a lot and, and keeping that game competitive. Yeah, and, and in my opinion, the biggest piece to all this is is either one of two things with, with the NFL is come playoff time, it's the best coach, really, you know, the guy that can prepare the team the best with this extra time. Um, to me has an advantage. The other part, part of it is just what is that team or what is that player that kind of, you know, catches lightning in a bottle? You know, we're both uh, Philly fans here, and we, we saw what happened in their run with Nick Foles kind of being that sure. guy and catching lightning in the bottle. We won't say it's Doug Peterson because we've seen what's happened since then. Um, but, like, I'm going to be curious to see if any of those things pop out uh, this weekend and going forward. Um, but I'm, I'm going to be playing a lot of the dogs tomorrow and Sunday, and uh, hopefully a couple of them can win outright because the plus money there is, is looking pretty good. You're going to sprinkle them all on the money line? Not all of them, but uh, any play that I'm going to be putting out that has uh, a dog in it, I'm going to also sprinkle the money line on it. Not saying I'm playing every dog, but the ones that I do, I will definitely be having the money line as well. Yeah, and so, I'm like I said, I'm going to end up on Washington. I haven't played it yet. I'm hoping to wake up to – you know, some Mike Evans news and that line ticks up a little more, but, um, and, and the Rams, uh, I like in a teaser. So, uh, but anyway, if you want the NFL, you can listen to, we got plenty of NFL stuff on our podcast as well. Bill, always fun doing the college hoops with you and Hey, we'll be rolling right into next week. Do it again. Sounds good. There he is. Lucha Larry at Larry's locks Two for his picks on Twitter. Uh, and obviously, uh, Subscribe and be nice to him. <laughs> yeah, buy my uh, picks. Don't complain about it. Go find somebody else then. <laughs> and you can find me and all of my picks at Undercover Greg. Give the podcast a follow as well at Full Underscore Slate Underscore Pod. Everyone enjoy your weekend. We got a lot of fun. College basketball, NFL. Let's have some fun. And of course, please play responsibly. <laughs>